Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solutions. You know all these small, annoying little round sprocket things that actually makes the clock tick? The same with sensors. It won't work without them. And usually we'd see them as things that are just there. Kevin Mee will give us a fantastic view into the anatomy of temperature sensors, the nerve ends, so to speak, of an electronic control refrigeration system. Just a small request from my side, though, before we get on. Please let us know if you have ideas or suggestions to themes for new podcasts. You can email us your suggestions on... Chilling with Jens, in one word, at danfoss.com. Kevin, thank you for being here today and um, give us an insight into um, uh, temperature sensors. Kevin, maybe could you please uh, start by introducing yourself? Uh, who are you? What do you do at Danfoss? And what is your background, please? Sure. Thanks, Jens. Um, yeah, my name's Kevin Mee, and I've, uh, I'm working for Danfoss sensing solutions division uh, i've uh, actually current position is as a sales driver uh work mainly working with our uh, cooling colleagues in sales and uh, working with customers on uh, on applications that kind of thing i've been with danfoss for 21 years actually so quite some time uh prior to joining danfoss i worked for uh, as a electronics engineer in uh, two or three companies, uh, mainly in the areas of uh, process control. So previously been working with um, weighing instrumentation and load cells and that kind of thing, and general process control applications. So yeah, that gives you a little bit about me at Danfoss and a little bit about what I've done before and, and my general experience. Okay, yeah, it sounds a bit like me actually. Uh, Kevin, um, Actually, Danfoss has been working with uh, temperature, temperatures in general uh, since day one. Essentially, that was what Danfoss was based on in a way, way, way back. Um, but quite a few things has changed since 1936. Um, so, where are we today with temperature controls? Yeah, well, as you say, a lot of things have changed uh, since 1936 for sure. And I would say that uh, one of the major changes really has been the evolution of electronic controls. Uh, and this has enabled us up to uh, control systems with a much higher accuracy. Uh, and this has been a trend for, for many years. Uh, and it's a key driver uh, for a wide range of sensors. Uh, we also see in refrigeration an increase in the use of electronic expansion valves. And as you're aware, this enables uh, accurate regulation of the refrigerant flow into the evaporator. Uh, and the controller is controlling the electronic expansion valve, of course, but in order to do that accurately, it needs to measure the system parameters. And mainly they're measuring temperature and they're measuring pressure. So, uh, and that's been, as I say, a key driver. Uh, the Core technology of temperature measurement, however, has been around for, for many years. And um, in refrigeration, we, we use the resistance-based um, temperature measurement. So uh, the primarily, we're using uh, RTDs, resistance um, temperature detectors, and thermistors. And these are based on metal and metal oxide semiconductor materials, 
which change resistance with temperature. So we're essentially measuring the resistance, uh, the controllers measuring the resistance and converting that back into a temperature. Uh, the advances in manufacturing has improved the accuracy of the sensors and of course reduced their size. And uh, knowing I was going to do this podcast, I, I kind of Googled the history of, of some of these sensors. And I see that as far back as 1833, uh, Michael Faraday was experimenting with the properties of thermistors. So actually, as I say, the, techno the core technology has been, has been around for many years. Uh, but when it comes to the implementation of thermistors, for example, that really didn't take off until around about the 1930s. So it was the it's the technology that has, uh, if you like, enabled, as I mentioned, the miniaturization and mass production of uh, of of these types of sensors. Yeah, yeah. And then from well after the Second World War, I guess you could say it has picked up with with the the controlling the electronics the the use of electronic controllers, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, can you outline the the sensor designs for use in refrigeration applications for us, please? Sure. Yeah. One of the most common types of sensors used is the the cable type sensor. So, obviously, they're long cable, with a either with a small housing at the end, and that small housing contains the uh, the sensor element. They're normally around about thirty millimeters long, five or six millimeters wide, and they're normally surface mounted onto a pipe. Uh, for that purpose, some of them have a curved surface for good good physical contact with the pipe. And of course, they're strapped in place. Uh, very often, their sensors are supplied with a, with a strap. Uh, and sometimes um, the, a manufacturer will solder a small cylinder on top of the pipe. So there's like a ready-made housing for it. And uh, the sensor can slide into that, that, uh, that small housing, that small pocket. Yeah. So, so those are the those are typically what we see in in refrigeration systems. These cable type sensors, uh, but there is also the insertion types are used, and they can be threaded into into tanks. Uh, but of course, they or to or into wider diameter pipes. And the advantage of the insertion type is you're actually measuring inside the fluid flow, uh, whereas obviously the surface mount are strapped on top of the pipe. So you're measuring on the on on the pipe. You're measuring the top of the pipe temperature. The, with the insertion type, you're actually measuring in the fluid flow. So you get a, a much quicker reaction time and a more accurate measurement. Uh, the sensors can be mounted into, into things called pockets. And these pockets can be either threaded into a, into a housing or a pipe or can be welded. Uh, Danfoss provide a nice compact welded pocket, actually. It's very common, uh, very popular. Welds into the top of the pipe. The sensor slides into the, into the top of that pocket. And then there's a nice little clamp assembly that secures the cable in place. Um, so those are the two types, really. It's it's the surface mount and the uh, and the insertion type, as as I mentioned, that also available with uh, with with pockets. Yeah, great, great. But if you look at the uh, you could say the 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 type of sensors in the sense of uh, how they work, uh, what are we using? Or what is Stanford's actually uh, providing uh, in terms of, of of types of sensors, PTC, NTC, yeah, what, yeah. And, and 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 what are all these abbreviations good for? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. What sure, does I'll it mean? I'll explain. Well, there's uh, there's two types that we're using. One is the uh, what we call the RTD, another abbreviation, which is resistance temperature detector. 
and uh, they include um, you know, platinum resistance thermometers, which are based on metal. So RTDs are based on metals. Uh, platinum resistance is used because of its properties, but actually other metals can be used as well. Uh, nickel can be used as an example, but by far the most common is the, the platinum resistance type. And the other type that we're supplying are the ther thermistors, which are stands for thermal resistor. And this is the NTC and PTC devices. And they're based on uh, metal oxide semiconductors. And as the as the as the terminology uh, acronym NTC and PTC, what do they stand for? Well, NTC means negative temperature coefficient. So in that case, as the temperature increases, the resistance is falling. And PTC is the opposite. It's um, positive. So the temperature increased. Sorry, the resistance increases with temperature. So those are the two main categories. RTD, which is the platinum resistance, and the thermistors, which are NTC and PTC types. So I was going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into those yens. And if we look at the platinum resistance types, the most common are that's used in industry are the PT100 and the PT1000. Um, both are, are, are platinum resistance, as I mentioned. The PT100 is 100 ohms at zero degrees C. And the PT1000 is 1,000 ohms at zero degrees C. So the PT1000 gives a 10 times higher resistance to the corresponding PT100 measurement. Uh, so that's how they're defined. They're defined by their resistance at zero degrees C. Uh, it's also possible to obtain um, different temp different uh, resistances. So you can have a PT500, for example, 500 ohms at zero or a PT2000, 2000 ohms at zero. But for the, the standards that we use normally are the PT100 and the PT1000. And by far the most common used in refrigeration is the PT1000. Yeah. But just to give you an example of the difference between the PT100 and 1000, as I mentioned, the 1000 ohm element gives you a 10 times higher resistance compared to the PT100. So, for example, at 100 degrees C, the resistance of a PT100 is 138.5. And for a PT1000, I mentioned it's 10 times more, so that's 1385 ohms. So, um, quite a difference there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see. Um, Kevin, you also mentioned that other metals can be used. So, yep. uh, hearing about platinum, that 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 sounds a bit ex expensive. Uh, so, what what are the options? Okay, well, uh, the reasons that we're we're using platinum technology um, is that number one, it's linear uh, relationship with resistance and temperature, which is um, so it's a, as I say, a linear relationship. Uh, with platinum, we conform to industry, recognized industry standards, EN 60751. So, uh, if, uh, so all elements are conformed to this standard. So that means that if you're using a platinum probe from one manufacturer and you, wanna, you may maybe need to change that out, then if you buy a similar probe, a similar PT1000 probe, then you'll know that it's going to give you similar answer, similar similar measurement, because they conform to this standard. So they're kind of interchangeable. Um, one, one thing, of course, is that the construction of the, of the sensors is different, may be different. So that can influence your measurement, um, the actual design of the sensor itself in relation to its uh, rate of change with temperature. 
the platinum resistance also available in a, a range of accuracy classes, again, as defined by the standards. Um, platinum is also uh, non-degradable resistance with time, so very stable. It's got a good chemical passivity, um, so it doesn't react with other chemicals, making it very stable. And you're right to say, yeah, platinum sounds expensive, you know, more expensive maybe than other materials. But bear in mind, you're only using a very, very small amount. Uh, the way that they're manufactured is you're applying a very thin layer around a one micron thick layer onto a small ceramic substrate. And that is then sealed, sealed in uh, by applying a glass layer on top of the construction. So, uh, yeah, in terms of expense, yeah, they may be they are more expensive than some other technologies like NTC, for example, which we'll talk about next. But um, but bear in mind, as I say, the, the amount of platinum is very small. And of course, um, with the linearity and, the, and conforming to a standard, that makes them pretty universal. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's a bit like using gold, I guess, in, in uh, mobile phones and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Electronics yeah. in general. Right. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, so what temperature ranges can a PT element measure and, and what about the accuracy, the precision of, 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 of uh of measuring? Sure. Okay, well, um, a PT-1000 can cover a pretty wide range, actually, um, from minus 200 to 600 degrees. Um, but of course, you need to take into account the construction of the uh, of the sensor itself. And that very often is the limiting factor. So for a, a PVC cable product, uh, obviously PVC will not survive anywhere near these high temperatures, but uh, for a PVC cable product, you're you're probably looking around about maximum 80 to 100 degrees cent, uh, centigrade. Uh, but uh, and for higher temperatures, uh, going up to 200 degrees centigrade, then the product would be made from silicon cable. Um, so, but in you know, so in um, in refrigeration applications, obviously PVC cables are, are perfectly fine for for most of the applications. But with some refrigerants with higher discharge temperatures, then you would select a, a, a product that's got a you know a cable with a with a higher um, temperature capability. Yeah. Just 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 for interest, actually, Danfoss also are making um, a range of uh, exhaust gas temperature sensors for, uh, oh, yeah. for engines. And, uh, you know, so these go up to these sort of 600 degrees centigrade areas. But of course, you know, the construction and the design is vastly different. Yeah, true. And I guess we don't need that, uh, say, in, in, in refrigeration, 600 degrees. Oh, no. Well, I haven't come across it yet, Jens, no. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And in terms of accuracy, um, well, PT-1000s, as I mentioned, um, you know, they conform to a standard. And there are, there are two different um, classes of accuracy. You can have the very accurate class A for the element, which is uh, plus or minus 0.15 degrees centigrade, and the class B, which we which we use in most of our sensors and is suitable for most applications, is plus or minus 0.3 degrees centigrade. But of course, that's just the element itself. You also need to take into account, obviously, the cable resistance, because when you're connecting up the element, you've got cables, of course, and they have resistance, and that impacts on the measurement. And the other thing is the reaction time of the sensor to a change in temperature. So, but uh, so that's a little bit about the accuracy. Uh, one of the things about the PT-1000 is that compared to a PT-100, uh, PT-100 is the fact that the resistance 
uh, is higher, of course. So it means that the current running through the controller from the controller is lower. So there's less self-heating with the PT1000 um, yeah. element. Yeah. How does it compare to thermistors or thermistors? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, a thermistor is um, got a, a lower um, temperature capability, um, typically between minus 50 to 200 degrees, but of course, perfectly, perfectly within the range that we'd normally use in in our refrigeration system. Um, the tolerances for thermistors are wider than the PT thousand, um, but um, high accuracy high accuracy versions are available, and they also have a greater resistance and resistance change with temperature compared to platinum technology. So the resolution is higher over a narrower temperature range. And if you look at a, a typical um, thermistor, an NTC thermistor, then it has a rapid change of, um, of, of resistance with temperature. Um, so it's useful over a, over a more narrow range of temperature, I would say. Yeah, okay. Uh, so how does platinum resistance technology compare to the PTC and NTC? Mm -hmm. Sure, okay. Um, well, as I mentioned, um, a thermistor is a, a thermal resistor. It's, um, yeah. It's why it's it's the way it compares. Really, it's 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 a lower price element actually, a PTC or NTC. They're widely used in a in a range of appliances and applications such as cars, ovens, coffee machines, HVAC applications. They're a compact size, and I mentioned they're relatively low cost. So that's why they find themselves um, in these consumer products. Um, NTC type is the most common that we've that I've seen used. Um, as I mentioned, the resistance reduces with temperature. And if we take the NTC type first, Jens, then um, as I mentioned, the the change in resistance is not linear. Mm. So it means that the control firmware needs to be matched to the NTC characteristic. Uh, thermistors do not conform to a published standard. And they normally manufacturer would define a, 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 an NTC by its resistance at 25 degrees centigrade. So we see common thermistor ratings as 5K and 10K. And what does that mean? Well, that means that it's 5K at 25 degrees centigrade or 10K at 25 degrees centigrade. But there's no single standard that we manufacture an, an NTC to. So it means that and I mentioned about changing out a, um, a platinum resistance. You, it's not so easy to do that with NTC because it's difficult to sometimes difficult to actually match the characteristic from one manufacturer's products to another. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah, the NTC has got a high change uh, resistance with temperature. Um, but uh, and if you plot a graph of resistance against temperature, you'll see that over quite a narrow temperature range, the resistance will decrease quite quickly, and then the curve will flatten out at higher temperatures, almost till it's like horizontal. Uh, so it follows this uh, exponential curve. So to take an example of that, if you consider a Danfoss 10K NTC at minus 30 degrees, it's uh, the resistance is 177k ohm, and at zero degrees, it's reduced to 32k. So that's 145k difference over a 30 degree span. Now, if you take that same sensor between 50 degrees and and 100 degrees, well, 50 50 degrees is 3.6k, significantly lower, and 100 it's only 680 ohms. So now we have a 3k difference for a 50 degree span. So you can see that the useful area 
is is in this uh, particularly in this low temperature range in this case uh, where you're getting this 145k ohm difference over a 30 degree C span yeah 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 sure uh, so yeah it's 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 very targeted so to speak to a certain temperature range yes yeah and of course if you if you're trying to measure with the controller if you're trying to measure use the same element to measure you know uh, hot temperatures on discharge gas for example on cold temperatures then it's very difficult to resolve both of those you know mm, yeah uh, you need a very high resolution controller to do that and it's a struggle really at the higher temp at the higher temperatures uh, the PTC, I haven't mentioned that too much. We don't really come across it so much. Uh, its resistance will change rapidly with temperature at, at higher temperature. So it's the opposite to NTC. Um, and um, actually, they're normally used in applications for um, circuit protection and causing trip outs. Mm. So, for example, uh, where you would find a PTC could be in between windings of a motor, for example. And, um, you know, as the motor heats up, so the resistance increases rapidly and that can be used as a, as a current limiter or a part of a current limiting circuit. Yeah, makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see. So that's the culprit when we're talking about uh, trips on, on compressors, for instance. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, signals um covid mm. any particularities i mean uh, are there any cabling extension of cables dimensioning of cables etc that we should take into consideration when uh treating a signal from uh, one of these sensors well yeah one one thing to there's a few things really jens i'd say um, one thing to consider is that uh you know, we're measuring resistance so you've also got mm. to consider the the, the the resistance of the connecting cables uh, and um, this is more significant with P100 devices. Mm. Uh, you remember that's 100 ohms at zero degrees uh, because of their lower resistance. Uh, but in, as I mentioned, in refrigeration, we're tending to standardize on the PT1000. And therefore, the impact of cable resistance is much reduced with a, with a PT1000 sensor uh, compared to a PT100. But it is something to consider. And um, in, one of a, in one of my previous uh, positions before Danfoss, I work for a small engineering firm, so uh, and I can tell you a little story uh, that we had uh, when using a PT hundred. Uh, we um, we manufactured a a uh, control panel actually for a fish farm to regulate the electric heaters. So we made a um, you know a control panel, a small control panel with some mounted panel meters uh, with appropriate switch gear inside the panel. We connected up our PT one hundred sensors. Everything worked fine when we tested it in the lab and then we sent it out to the customer and uh you know everything's everything was good until the customer called us and said um hey uh the, we just i just connected up my p100 probes and i'm and i'm reading something 40 to 50 degrees centigrade mm. ambient you know <laughs> yeah. uh, this being the uk we don't certainly don't get anywhere near that <laughs> uh, and uh, of course what we what we didn't realize at the time when we put the panel together was that actually the the panel was located in a in a warehouse and uh, and the fish were in a different part of the warehouse it was like some hundred meters away yeah, yeah. so we had this hundred meters of cable uh, to connect to the to the panel and uh, and that's what gave this 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 offset was the resistance of the cables yeah. but we managed to easily resolve it just by um, you know on the on the panel meter we managed to null that out you know we could make adjustments so no yeah. no harm done but we just got tripped up with this cable resistance thing you know mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
things like that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what we could have done actually was to use, uh, you know, when you're when you're if you're wanting to to measure things over such a uh, such a long distance away, you can of course use a sensor with an uh, with a amplified output. So you know, it's possible to obtain sensors with yeah. uh, you know convert signal converters with four to twenty milliamp current loop, for example. So that's a and we manufacture a range of those where the where the um, where the converter is mounted in the head of the uh, insertion type sensor normally. Yeah. Um, so that's something that can be used and and they are used on mainly on bigger systems like um, industrial refrigeration systems, perhaps where the control panel is located, you know, some far away from the measurement point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's could be a way of 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 uh, compensating for for cable resistance. But are there any other uh, methods? Maybe. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, the we normally would use a two wire sensor in a in a on a PT thousand for short run. So you know, five ten meters. It shouldn't shouldn't really be an issue. Um, but. Um, it is possible to compensate using uh, what we call three or four wire sensors. Uh, they're, but they're normally implemented on PT-100, but I'll try to explain how they work. If you consider uh, the PT element that's got two, two, two connections, obviously, let's call it A and B. So if we say we connect two wires to point A, going back to the controller, and then we connect one wire from point B, the other side of the element, back to the controller. So the controller can essentially measure the resistance to of the cable between of on the two wires connected to point A. It can then measure the resistance between one wire from point A and one wire from point B. So now we're measuring two wires plus the element. So initially we're measuring the wires, and then we're measuring the wires plus the plus the element itself. So you've got two measurements. Take one away from the other. You now know what the you're now compensated for the cable resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that was that clear? Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. What about uh, installation of the sensors? Uh, do's and don'ts. Yeah, sure. Um, it's always good to use, uh, particularly on insertion types. Um, you know, a conducting compound to ah, yeah. to um, you know to uh, improve the the speed uh, response time of the of the sensor. Air is a pretty good insulator, actually. So, um, you know, if you've got an air gap between uh, the pocket and the sensor itself, then you know, it's going to really slow the sensor down. So it's always good to use a heat conducting compound. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, if you're adding an extension cable, then it would be a good idea to uh, to use a cable um, with a, a larger, uh, large cross section. In yeah. fact, on our on our AKS 11 product, we use um, 0.22 millimeter um, cross section cable. So it's a set, what, what's called a 702 cable. And um, on a standard, I looked it up in the data sheet in a standard five meter um, cable length. So that's actually five meter, two cables. So that's actually 10 meters of cable. And, and on a PT 1000, that would introduce an offset of something like 0.2 degrees, you know, so pretty small actually um, yeah. on the, you know, for for a short length. Um, but yeah, so I, as I say, use a, you know, a, a fairly um, a reasonable size cable to reduce the resistance. Yeah. And it's also good actually to, uh, you know, when you're mounting, you know, when you're cabling the, 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 the sensor back to the controller, 
you know, avoid, you know, it's a low current, low voltage signal that you're using. So it's a good idea to keep it away from, uh, you know, power cables, uh, particularly if they're switching heavy loads like compressors, etc., because they can, uh, you know, influence the, the measurement and you get like noise pickup on the cable. So it's a good idea not to lay them particularly in parallel with those types of cables. Yeah. And and actually on the installation, I've mentioned that, um, you know, good to use some paste, thermal conducting paste. And uh, if you're doing a, a surface measurement on a tube, then you really want to try to insulate that as well. I mean, in refrigeration pipes are generally insulated anyway, but you would like to try to insulate the, the cable from the surrounding air because you're trying to measure the top of the cable and you really want to reduce the influence of, of, of ambient air as well. Yes, sure, sure. How about testing when, when you're on, on site for a service? How do you test a, a remote sensor? Any particular uh, things to take into consideration? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for a PT, it's quite simple, really. Um, yeah. disconnect, it, disconnect, it, disconnect it from the controller and measure the resistance, you know. And is this what you expect? Um, if you take, if you're not sure uh, of the temperature that the sensor is exposed to, then, you know, take it away from the point of contact and measure the resistance at room temperature. Mm. So, I don't know, ambient temperature, let's say 22 to 25, something like that, you'd, you'd expect a resistance of around, for a PT-1000, of around, um, t uh, I think, 1085 to 1100 ohms, something like that, you know, something mm. in that sort of area. Um, and hold the sensor in your hands, warm the sensor up. Is the sensor, is the, sen is the resistance of the sensor increasing? You'd expect that to happen. So, so those are just yeah, that's basic kind of way of of testing the sensor. It's maybe not so easy with a with an NTC. Um, first of all, you've got to know what type of NTC you've got. Um, um, typically, it would be a 5k, 10k element. So again, you know, measure the resistance in ambient air, and um, is that what you expect? Is it in this kind of 25? Sorry, is it in this is this area of 5k, 10k? And again, warm, it's an NTC, so warm the sensor up, um, put it between your hands, breathe on it, whatever. Is mm. the resistance in this case reducing rather mm. than increasing? Yeah. So just some simple things really to, to, to test it. Yeah, yeah, there's not much no. say uh, about that testing yeah. stuff. Yeah, sure, another, another, area, another thing to consider actually, Jens, it's quite common is, um, is sometimes during installation of sensors uh, and commissioning, you know, you've you've connected up the wrong sensor to the to the wrong uh, input on the controller. Yeah. So you know you're probably measuring a range of different temperatures in a refrigeration system. Obviously, you're measuring you know refrigerant discharge temperature, measuring suction temperature. You may well be measuring air temperature. Uh, you may be measuring um, um, some temperatures for defrosting, etc. So you have a range of measurement points. And, um, you know, so it's, it's good to ensure that you're connecting, obviously, the correct sensor to the correct input. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a simple thing, but it goes wrong and can, yeah, can yeah. cause you a lot of hassle. Danfoss, uh, we have a range of, of standard, you know, black cable uh, sensors um, from the AKS 11 range. And, and we, are, we provide a, a range of stickers with those where you can identify the, the function of the specific sensor. But... You need to be regimented and, and make sure you use those stickers. 
Another way is to introduce um, uh, is to use our color cable range, and we introduced a yeah. range of the same sensors, but with different colors. So yeah. we've got blue, red, green, orange, and purple. So it now makes it much much easier from an installation point of view to make sure you're connecting the right sensor to the right input. And if you get it wrong, oh, again, because of the different colors, it's much much easier to trace through. Yeah, true. Yeah. Really can save your time on installation and commissioning. You know. Yeah, and those stickers you have. A tendency to forget those, haven't you? Well, exactly. Yeah, they kind of fall off. And you mentioned you about the cables and temperature yeah. degrading. You know, stickers. Yeah, for sure could. Yeah, in there. Yeah. Uh, so, Kevin, looking into the crystal ball, how about the future? Do you do you foresee any, uh, say, developments? What will happen in say the next five, ten, fifteen years? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we've talked a lot about, you know, analog connected temperature sensors um, and they're generally low cost and, and actually mainly for that reason, I think they'll continue for many years, depending on the type of application. But I see I don't see that they're going to be uh, completely you know, superseded, but I can see that I mentioned at the start of this discussion, Jens, you know, that um, technology was was a key driver in the selection of sensors and uh, and, and digitization and so on. And, and I see that in the future there'll be a, a, you know, more demand for maybe for bus connected products, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, serial bus connected products. And in that case, you know, that cuts down the amount of field wiring, um, for example. Um, and I also see that um, the, there'll be a tendency again in some applications perhaps to, to move more towards wireless connected sensors. But but yeah. it really depends on the application and their and their affordability going forward, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, and I think that this you know trend in digital technology and uh, and sort of market demands for more system monitoring, uh, particularly remote monitoring, you know, clouds cloud services that that, that uh, companies are now um, are now trending towards. That's going to um, again, you know, increase the demand for more and more sensors and digitization. So I think uh, this will be the, the kind of trend going forward. Jens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see uh, some integrated analog digital uh, systems yeah, I mean, or sensors. Yeah, maybe? the actual element, you know, the actual um, process of measuring, you know, platinum mm. resistance and thermistor, you know, that won't change. But it's more the interface to the system. Yeah. I think that, that that's, that's going to be the thing that's uh, that perhaps potentially will change in the future. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked today just about, you know, um, resistance type temperature measurement. There are other types of measurement that we haven't discussed and I won't go into any details, but you know, thermocouples can also be used, uh, oh, yeah. you know, but we tend to use those on, on higher, you know, higher temperatures. Actually there, they work, there's a different technology and, um, and they're not so easy to work with, to be honest. But oh. you know, uh, but um, but for refrigeration, it's more the resistance type that I think we need to focus on. Yeah, yeah, that probably won't change no, too much, at least. Probably um, not. No. Um, thank you so much, uh, yeah, Kevin. Thanks, Jens. That's been my pleasure. I hope that's been of interest, and uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again, maybe someday in the future. I am sure we will, Kevin. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jens. Thank you for listening in on this podcast. And again, please let us know what you think about our podcast and please send us your ideas and suggestions on Chilling with the Ends, in one word, at stanfors.com. And as usual, remember to stay cool.